0: Hey everyone, Paulie from Rat Depot here and I'm here to narrate the latest letter which is called The Never Ending Toy Story which is co-written by me and Louis from Nostalgia Detective First sections called Louis and the Toy Story Industrial Complex uh, I will be narrating it for Louis um, so if I get any of the intended intonation wrong, Louis, you're welcome to come to my house and break my kneecaps It is 2007, Toy Story 3 is announced Fans complain that it is a blatant cash grab, pointlessly extending a franchise that had had its moment. It is 2010. Toy Story 3 releases. It makes $1 billion. It is 2014. Toy Story 4 is announced. Fans complain that it is a blatant cash grab, pointlessly extending a franchise that had had its moment, and that it ruins a conclusive ending. It is 2019. Toy Story 4 releases and makes $1 billion. It is 2023. Toy Story 5 is announced. Fans complain, it's all a darn spin cycle, okay? Set your watch and warrant on it. Legacy sequels are Hollywood's bread and butter these days to an almost depressing degree. You can probably pinpoint a current wave of nostalgia bait follow-ups to old franchises to 2015's Star Wars The Force Awakens, a pleasant movie that taught an evil lesson to Hollywood. You can retell the exact same stories as before, just with grey hair. Eight years later, fucking Michael Keaton is Batman again. It's a bad state of affairs. Also, they're making Toy Story 5. Toy Story is a truly odd franchise for a series of films which have all been enormously successful with audiences and critics alike. The first two films, released in the early days of Pixar, when it was just a spunky startup unencumbered by corporate overlords, form a neat little duology. Then they stopped. Then 11 years passed and Toy Story 3 was made. Nine more passed before 4. Using a rule of thumb that it takes some time from announcement to release, it'll be seven or eight more years between 2019 and 5's release. Those huge gaps between 3 and 4 were part of it. Pixar made these movies with the knowledge that its audiences had gotten older and now had nostalgia for the previous ones. In 3, Andy was suddenly college-aged. In 4, the toys were off in a new setting entirely. It's the endings, though, that really drive home the point. In both 3 and 4, though neither were explicitly stated to be the final instalments, we're invited to say goodbye to the toys. There's a parting and a sense of moving on in both instalments, and that farewell between characters is unquestionably meant to be mirrored by the audience. But then it keeps going. In theory, nostalgia is not an infinite battery. Our childhood ends, and we get further from them every day. Growing up is about moving beyond the past, in a lot of ways. Indeed, all of that is pretty much essential to the Toy Story legacy sequel formula at this point, the idea that we have to move on. The thing is, moving on doesn't sell any more cinema tickets or toys. Moving on is inconvenient from a business perspective. Moving on means you have to come up with something new. So here we have it, our Toy Story cycle. The promise of an ending and then a rebirth, rinse and repeat. Nostalgia plugged and unplugged and plugged in again. An endless nostalgic playground made all the more appealing by the the illusion of its temporariness. The thing is, for all the cynical analysis of capitalism I could throw at this, the miserable ideas of stunted, never-ending childhoods that Disney avidly promote, this shit works. It works on me and it probably worked on you. I've always loved these characters. I carried around a Toy Story 2 VHS everywhere I went when I was a toddler, so regrettably the nostalgia works. Toy Story 4 was an experience I shared with my mum, and it meant a lot to me. I saw it twice. I bought Forky merchandise. As much as I hate to acknowledge it, it it makes me feel warm and fuzzy just thinking of seeing those characters again. We can forget that, I think, get caught up in the ultimately correct condemnation of capitalist nostalgia. It's easier if we pretend we're above it, and harder if we acknowledge that we're part of the problem. There's something primordial about seeing the thing you once loved keep coming back, and something especially effective about saying goodbye to it with the quiet awareness that it's not goodbye at all. Is there a solution to this? Should I cancel my Disney Plus subscription, throw away that forky stuffed toy? Probably, but I'm not actually going to do it. And if you find me in 2025 or 2026 or whenever at the cinema looking at Toy Story 5 with the same wide eyes as 7, 16, 20 years ago, then leave me alone. I'll be going through something. That was from Louis, and we'll move on to my section, which is Paulie, and the Disneyland-to-Child-Cube pipeline. I saw Toy Story 4 uh, in 2019 with my nephew and niece at a View Cinema in Stoke-on-Trent, the cinema capital of the world. As I saw Woody realise he had to let people go in order to forge his own path, and that he was holding others back as much as himself, I actually cried. I sat in my recliner with my Tango Ice Blast, which I just finished paying off in instalments four years later reflecting on my life and how it had been punctuated at various stages by Toy Story and the messages within. To grow up is to move on, as Louis rightfully said, to let go of things but never forget how important they were to you. My nephew and niece, who hadn't lived through four Toy Story films, in fact this was their first, were baffled and looked to me as if I was embarrassing them. What they obviously didn't understand was that I wasn't saying goodbye to Woody, I was in my early 20s saying goodbye to my own childhood. Now this reads a lot like I am a Disney adult, the category reserved for those who still go to Disneyland in their 30s and cry at the sight of the castle, but those who know me are aware that I am not a Disney adult. God, I feel like Alfie Days. Point is, whatever I feel about Disney and the cultural chokehold the Behemoth Corporation currently has on cinema, Pixar films have held out for years as the crown jewels of creativity and storytelling in Disney's oeuvre. Is that how you say it? Oeuvre? oeuvre. I don't know why I put that in, because I don't know what the fuck like how you say that anyway even that reputation appears to be on the decline i've enjoyed many pixar films with toy story the incredibles and finding nemo having special places in my heart as formative cinematic experiences when i was very young i also want all three of these film series to end while there's no sign of a third for either of those last two ellen found dead in miami toy story refuses to die As Louis mentioned, two films have now been dedicated to saying goodbye, jerking our emotional gherkin each time. Whatever is next with Toy Story, I will reluctantly be there, and I will complain about it probably. The enduring popularity of Toy Story is emblematic of the original appeal of Disney, the promise that no matter how old you get, you can return to your childhood. Nowhere is this more prevalent than in the magical kingdom itself, Disneyland. From its very inception, the original park in California was designed to make you feel like a child. Let me take you on a visual journey, one that may seem familiar if you've ever been. As you park in the vast car parks that surround Disneyland, you abandon the modern nuclear form of transportation, the car. Until 2016, you could go to the ticket gates and trade your currency for Disney dollars, a fictional currency used exclusively within the park. This has since been phased out but was a mainstay for decades. Taking a brief journey on the Disney Railroad, a mini steam train that carries you backwards in time and forwards in space, you land on Main Street, USA, a microcosm of the old American frontier town. Main Street is a sanitised, nostalgic version of America with a very intriguing design feature. All of the buildings are scaled to seem bigger than they are, using forced perspective. Disney's Imagineers, the architects responsible for the park and its design, Design Disney buildings to a one uh, five-eighths to one-half scale. The first floor of a Disney building is to scale, but the second floor of the building facade is only five-eighths the size of the first floor, and if there is a third floor, it stands at one-half the size of the base floor. When guests standing on the ground look up, the building looks like it stands three stories tall, when in fact it shrinks with each floor. This perspective has been present since day one of Disneyland and reinforces the POV of a child. No matter your age, your height, you look up at the buildings on Main Street and feel like the buildings are much taller than you. The infamous castle at the heart of Disneyland was built with the same design technique, creating the impression of a vast castle you couldn't possibly explore. I remember the first time I walked up to it in Paris and was like, huh, because it was a lot smaller than I thought. There are other ways Disneyland maintains that sense of childlike wonder and illusion. The actors in costumes, your woodies and so on, are not actually allowed to remove any part of their costume on the floor of Disneyland, that is, at ground level. Under Disneyland Florida, for example, there are the Utilidors, a nine-acre tunnel system that allows Disney staff to move unseen, get changed, have their breaks and to keep Goofy fed and sedated. The Utilidors were built into the park from the beginning and were designed to prevent the movement of underpaid labourers from breaking the immersion of visitors who may see a buzz light in Frontierland, for example. <clears throat> because each section of the park contains its own visual logic, the jarring appearance of a staff member in the wrong costume would, of course, ruin somebody's life and justify the swift murder of that wayward staff member in the catacombs below. One logistical innovation at Disneyland was the Automated Vacuum Collection System, or AVAC. Invented in the 1960s in Sweden, AVAC constituted a series of pneumatic tubes that would absolutely cunt anything thrown into it towards a location. Think of the tubes that libraries and, for some reason, opticians sometimes have, but for garbage. Pushing trash at 60mph through 20-inch pipes, the rubbish would then be compacted and incinerated. A feature of the Utilidors, Evac actually never caught on in the US in a mainstream way, presumably in case any beloved Peruvian bears or living toys got stuck in it. I'm honestly surprised a child has never climbed into the bins at Disneyland and been absolutely annihilated in the pipe network on its way to becoming an organic cube. Either way, this innovation was brand new at the time when Disneyland Florida opened in 1971. It served to further illustrate Disney's efforts to maintain Disneyland's image as a safe and sanitised version of real life your rubbish would disappear as soon as it began to bother you, just as an adult might deal with the litter of a child. The only other place this trash highway exists is Roosevelt Island, New York. Read this article linked to learn about its development and the parallels with Disneyland. Well, as usual, we're nearing the end of what is legally and ethically a good newsletter length. I have a lot more to say on this, it's like I wrote a dissertation on it or something. I actually delved into my master's dissertation to fish out info for this letter, but found the language too academic and the context of other writings too embedded, so it was hard to pull out key info. But tune into the podcast for a more comprehensive account of Disneyland and its manufactured nostalgia. And you can listen to Wrapped profm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Substack directly and uh, RSS feeds or any other podcast app you may use. That's all for this week. I really hope you enjoyed this foray into Louis's thoughts on the Toy Story industrial complex and my section on Disneyland and the ways we maintain childlike wonder at the epicentre of the Disney mythos. As always, give Louis a read at Nostalgia Detective. He's just started a series on Tom Cruise that promises to be suitably fucked. Do you agree with our points? Are you looking forward to Toy Story 5? Are you tempted to climb into the Disneyland bins? Should Goofy be forgiven for what he did? Leave us a comment or join our Discord and chat to us. Until next time, with all my love, Paulie.